Uh, we long-term United Method- Marian Methodists have come uh, to our new home. And uh, there's, it's been kind of interesting because um, it's been kind of hard in some ways. It's been wonderful in most every way. Um, you know, we knew it was the right thing to do, knew it was a great thing to do. We threw our lives and our efforts and all that of building this place. And then we got here, we're like, how do you work into a new home, you know? And, and there's been some things like microphones that don't work, um, you know, lights that we can't see stuff with and all those kind of things. And so I got to thinking about that um, for two, on two ways. One, and, and one of the things that bugs me the most so far still is I don't know where you people sit yet. You know, I keep, I keep looking down here for Greg and DeAndre. They ain't down there. I keep looking over here for these people. You know, just <clears throat> so we're still finding our way. And so it's okay to miss the last place. But I know we're like assimilating well uh, into here. And I, I thought backwards in my own life and said, when I moved from Iowa Wesleyan College, which is down Mount Pleasant, you know, small little college, and then got thrown on to, uh, which I loved, it was my home and all that sort of thing. And then I got thrown into Denver where nobody cared about me or knew me or anything like that. I'm like, how did that become my home? And when I thought backwards, what, what I did was, uh, first, was a little bit despondent, glad I wanted to be there and all that sort of thing. But then as I, the longer I was there, I just started praying my way into that place being home. So, you know, if, if you're still finding out where you're supposed to sit, you're still kind of finding your way around. Um, we've been here three months now. This is home, so pray your way uh, into it if you can. But to all of you, I want to say welcome home. So if you haven't been paying attention, time to, to drop back in to what I'm saying. So welcome home. This is Marion Methodist. And when we moved out here, one thing I can tell you for sure is we are Marion Methodist. And we continued being what Marion Methodist is, which is a welcoming, loving body of Christ, a, a body that wants to add more to it. We, we're, we're active place. Man, this summer, we just barely moved in. We had an open house, first service, wedding, Bible school. We did the things that a church does. And now, as Simon mentioned, uh, you know, in his, in his wrap-up to his songs there, next week we begin our fall program. So we have all kinds of things, Bible teaching opportunities uh, for you, and we're getting ready to launch. So if you haven't signed up for a class, there's a big table out there for adult classes, Children's classes are easy to sign up to. 412, you just come to. Um, but we'd love to have you sign up. And if, you don't, if you've never had a Bible study and you're afraid of it, um, come to Basic Bible because we're, uh, well, actually, we're really cool. Plus, we have fun time just opening uh, the Scriptures. And there's been uh, most everybody that ever has taken Basic Bible, it's the first Bible study uh, that they've ever taken. It's really helped them launch into a deeper pathway. Because we do, um, as Marian Methodists, you know, we might have moved, but we still proclaim a biblical worldview. We, we hold and stand strongly on the Scriptures as the truth of God. And as Kelsey mentioned, we put these new Bibles in the pew. So if you don't have one, if you don't have one on your phone, if you don't have one, feel free to take one. We even bought, maybe not for this group, but we bought the larger print of the Bible. Maybe that's just for me. I don't know. Uh, but we've got those in the, in the pews. And, and as Kelsey mentioned, we want to get into the habit of learning scripture verse. So I'm going to put this month's scripture verse up there. And we're going to say it out loud. Let's see how you did. Let's say it together. In the beginning was the Word. And the Word was John 1. 1. Yay, give yourself a hand. You guys are awesome. Good. We're going in the right direction. I think the more you ingest, the better we get at knowing scriptures. And, of course, one of the things that we really want to do in our first few months out here is we want to raise high the power of prayer. 
And we want to reconsecrate the kneeling rails uh, at, our, at our church and, and, and have you come forward. We'll do that a little bit later on in our communion service. And I do want to tell you this, and I, I hope everyone hears this. Next week, next Sunday, the pillar that we'll be working on is healing. And, and so I want to speak into the lives of the people you know that need some spiritual healing, some emotional healing, even some physical healing, or, or maybe they've had something plaguing them for a long time. Now, we, we are going to lay into the power of God next week in a time where we offer healing and comfort for, for those people that are struggling with those kind of things. So, so I'd, I'd encourage you to come back, and we'll have some time to pray and, and even approach the rail if you want to next week. So, so talk to your friends. Talk to your moms and dads or whoever needs uh, that. So that's the ramp up for the sermon. Now, um, let's get right to the communion meditation. This is going to be more of meditation than a sermon and this is going to be more targeted at four questions that I want you to, to really ingest. And when you come down here to, to communion, to, to really think over. Um, so let's go. The, the pillars of faith bring us to a place now where we have four questions that body of Christ is asked by today's scripture. I'm going to go quickly so we can get to the moment of, of communion. So I admonish you to listen fast. Here we go. Number one. Are you living a life worthy of your calling? Are you living a life worthy of your calling? I want you to, to dig in to that a little bit. And the first part of that is, are you living and are you worthy of the calling? Because we believe that God has a calling on your life. I use the question all the time in text messages or call people, especially people that are struggling with an issue, an addiction or some sort. And I'll text them randomly in the middle of the week and say, how you living? Just how are you living? Are, are you living what we've decided on? And, and, and for a lot of people, that, that's one of those great accountability questions because it asks people that are struggling with an addiction or with a frustration or something like that, are you keeping with the program? Are, are, are you really reaching for what you're supposed to? Are, are you trying to live worthy of what you're, what you're seeking in your life? And it's also kind of an assessment question when I say, how are you living? It's, it's like, look into your own life and, and deal that. And so today, uh, while I'm going to spend the, the, the minutes uh, speaking with my voice, the question is, are you living a life worthy of your calling? And here's why I ask. Look at what it says in the first few words in Ephesians chapter 1. In Ephesians 1, 4 through 5, it says this. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. You, you were called, you were created to be holy and blameless. In love, he predestined, which means he arranged it ahead of time, for us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his will and pleasure. Which is to say, when you're called, God chooses you. You're chosen. Now, some of us in here, I'm just going to do a quick show of hands. How many of you remember a phone attached to the wall in your home? Okay, about a third of us, right? For those of you guys in the front row, see, when, when we used to have, and the rest of you, that don't know what this is like, see, you, I want you to, to hearken back to what it meant to be called. You know, when, when we were younger, when the phone would ring in your house, and you didn't have caller ID, and there's five of you living in the house like there was in my house. Everybody was excited. 
Who's it for? And the phone would ring and everybody dashed to the phone. And it wasn't like today when you guys are like, oh, it's Pastor Mike. Right? (laughs) Right? Right. We would dash to the phone and, and, and there's, we had phones on three levels. So it'd be, hello, hello, hello. You know, all this grabbing the phone. We were excited because someone out there in the mystery of all of Marion, because of course she didn't die a long distance back then. Someone out there in the mystery had thought about us and had chosen us to give a call to. And, and they called and we were excited. It's not like today where you, where, where you put it away. We were excited to have been chosen. And just like that, see, God chose us even before we knew he was choosing us. God, God chose us and called us even before we know, knew we needed a call. And by that choosing and calling, what God is saying is, your life is valuable. Your life has meaning. Your life is important to me. I need your life, and I'm going to give you a calling and encourage you to live into it. And that's the appropriate response. When we know we're called by God, we have to seek to live into that calling. And so when we talk about, you know, are you called, then are you worthy of the calling? What worthy means is to be appointed a child of God. And how does a child act? You know, I grew up in a home, and I've told many people often that in my home I was spoiled. We did not have every single thing, but what we did have is parents that loved us, that tried to give us God in our lives and and grew us great self-esteem. And when you have all those things, then you have to say, well, what's the best and worst thing that can happen to a child? Well, in my life, one of the worst sentences that could happen, and unfortunately it happened more times than it should have, is when my parents, one of them or both of them, would stop me and say, you know, Mike, We're very disappointed in you. Because I was not living worthy to the calling that I had to be part of that family. The reverse of that was the most exciting thing that could ever happen as a child, or young adult, youth even, is when my parents would say, hey, Mike, we're so proud of what you've done, or so proud of what you're becoming. We are proud of you because I was aspiring to be the child, the young man or young man I was supposed to be. I was leading a life worthy of the calling that that family had on me. And, and aren't those the same sentences that we fear that God or, we, or we, we, we desire God to say for us? Aren't we terrified of God saying, you know, son, daughter, I'm so disappointed in you and the way you're living towards your calling. Or I'm so proud of you in the way you're living towards your calling. So, so, so the first question that we focus in on today is, are you living a life worthy of your calling to be a child of God? Second, are you making every effort to keep the unity in the Spirit? Are you making every effort? Now, that doesn't mean some effort. You know, are you making every effort? Because God's aim is that this world enters into a sacred oneness through Christ. When you're called to something, you're called away from something else. You're called away from, by the call of God, by his choosing us for adoption, 
As sons or daughters, we are called away from the world of one darn thing after another. We're called away from the leadership it has in our life. We're called away from whatever the current narrative in the world we live in. And we're called towards, or we're called to a life that's in oneness with Christ from here until forever. John, John Wesley, who, who started this tribe that we call the Methodists, says a church is a body of people united together in the service of God. Now, how are we united? We're united in, in, in what Ephesians 4 says are the ones. We're united in the one spirit. We're united in the one hope. We're united in the fact that there's one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all. So we're given all this oneness equipment. Now, does that mean we'll always agree with everybody in every single thing? Heavens, no, we don't even agree in here about how to read every single scripture or what an appropriate prayer is and all sort of things like that. But what we strive for is unity in the one Godhead. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We, we strive and make every effort that the church might be connected there, that we make, that we, that, that we make a life, that we work hard, you know, because unity is hard work. You know, one of the pr- challenges with having unity in this congregation is the fact that you and I am in it because we're so different. We have problems with unity because we, we're different and God created us different, giving us different gifts and skills and, and all sorts of things like that. So it's really hard to have unity and it won't happen by, by magic. And it would be much easier if we could just internalize all this, if we could go out on a rock and meditate and read the Bible and say a few prayers and say, okay, now we have unity in the church, but not having had to talk to any of the rest of us or Methodists beyond here. Or Christians beyond here. But that's not what God gives us to do. God does not give us opportunity to have community in a community of one. It's a community of all Christians. And the only way that community can happen is if we're united in the unity of the Spirit. One faith, one Lord, one baptism, one hope, one God and Father of us all. And Christian, Christianity is a social faith. And because it's a socialized faith... We have to work at that unity. So are you making every effort to keep the unity in the Spirit? Third, are you using the gifts that God has given you? I want to tell you this because it's important to know. Sometimes we lack self-esteem and we, we start thinking we're not worth everything. You are a gifted person. Every single one of you. Every one of you has lots of different gifts, and they're appropriate, as as we read in the Scriptures. They're not only appropriate to you, but they're apportioned to you as the Spirit has need. A little example, and please, please understand, I'm just being me, not being harsh. For some reason, the Lord Jesus had given me this love and affection in my life to work with 7th through ninth grade kids. I know. But that, that's one of the gifts, and I've always loved them. And those of you that have been through confirmation with me, you might not have enjoyed it all, but you knew I loved you, right? But I would rather, and, and I love all children, but you know there's third graders. And I love third graders, and I love them the most when they're down there. 
okay? Because I would think one of the hardest things for me to do would be to go spend an hour teaching third grade Sunday school. I'd much rather go to a week of summer games with seventh through ninth graders because that's my gift. I, I, I keep looking at third graders. You're like, you're eight. Don't you know this stuff yet? But, 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 but there are those among you, and some of them are down there right now, that just wake up and say, man, I couldn't spend a moment with a junior high kid, a middle school kid, but I'll spend a month with a third grader. And that's how our gifts are different. Some of you are made to be teachers. Some of you are made to be helpers. Some of you are made to be, you know, apostles. Some of you are made to be all, you know, helpers in the kitchen and all that sort of thing. You're all gifted in specific ways, and, and the gift that God has given you is the exact gift he desires you to use. So don't ever come to your pastor or your friends and say, well, I have this gift, but it's no use. I I have the gift of cleaning up the kitchens, but it, it doesn't matter. The gifts you are given are the exact gifts that God wants you to have. The gift has the purpose of building up the body of Christ, which is why Paul says in 1 1 Corinthians, a spiritual gift is given to each of us so we can help each other. Because unfortunately, if your pastor was left to run the whole education program, the church, those kids wouldn't get anything until they're 12. I'd say give them a cookie and have them sit Indian style on the floor or pretzel style on the floor and color. But luckily, some of you have those gifts and will sit in the nursery and all those sorts of things. But our gifts are meant to be used. They're supposed to be used. You know, not too long ago, I went to a young couple's house for dinner. They don't go here, so I, only they'll know when I say it on the internet. I went to their home, and because I was at their wedding, <clears throat> and because I was at their reception, I knew, and because my wife and I had given them a gift, I knew that they'd registered and received a lot of loot, Right? And I knew that part of that loot was they got new dishes. So we went to their home, and they laid out four different plates, and each one of the cups had a logo on them. I said, where's the stuff you got for your wedding? Where's the new stuff? Well, we're, we're not going to bring that out until all this wears out. So, of course, I threw mine away when I was done eating off of it. But I didn't really. really. But, but you know, a gift was meant to be used. They had all that stuff that said, you know, come and go. and That wasn't the gift that they were given. And it's not the gifts you've been using. Sometimes we we, we stick around using our old hobo gifts and battering things together. It's like holding our gifts back. But our gifts are used to be used to glorify God and to raise up the kingdom. And I'll say this second thing. If you haven't received a specific gift, then you have a mission. And your mission is the one that's common to all believers, which is to love and obey and serve God until your gift is bestowed upon you, to be faithful in that because this is what you need to do. You need to understand that you need to be praying and preparing for the moment that God's gift is placed on you because it is coming And you need to be ready to use it when it comes. So are you using the spiritual gifts God has given you? Let me go to the fourth question, and I'll get you to communion. Are you spiritually growing? Are you spiritually growing? There's an old Creole Indian proverb that goes like this. One rain does not make a crop. 
One rain doesn't make a crop. See, I'm troubled all the time, and I talk to to the 13-year-olds that I talk to at summer games and at at confirmation and stuff like that. Confirmation is great, and coming to church from, from time to time is great. But if you have the same faith at 31 that you had at 13, you're just not doing it right. You, you've got to grow. You, you've got to constantly be evolving as a Christian. You've got to reach into Bible study classes or grab the internet or YouTube or U versions or podcasts or, or whatever because you can't stay in the same place. You can't stay a spiritual baby. The first time I went ski, I just went to vacation in Colorado. So here's your Colorado story. The first time I went skiing, I went with my friends who said the best way to learn how to ski is to go to the top of the mountain and get down. I said, but there's a beautiful bunny hill over there. And they said, come to the top of the hill. I said, you'll help me, right? Yeah. Liars. So they get me off the lift, and I'm able to stand up, and they kind of stop me physically, and they said, okay, here's what you do. See you at the bottom. They took off. I'm like... I need some new friends. But some kid skis up to me because I'm standing there like uh, Lot's wife. Thank you, biblical scholars. Just standing there, not moving. This kid skis up to me and says, do you know how to ski? I'm like, no. He says, this is what you need to do. He says, just put your feet wide. It's called a snowplow. Now they call it a pizza. He says, just do a snowplow, and you can go back and forth all the way down the hill. So, you know, I got into the snowplow, and I went back and forth down the hill, and in a couple hours, I got down there, right? <laughs> but I didn't stop growing in my skiing at snowplow. As a matter of fact, I became pretty good expert skiing, was skiing double diamonds and all that kind of stuff before we moved back to Iowa. But it wasn't because I had that one lesson from some 12-year-old kid on the ski slope and said, well, that's enough. I got it. No, man, I skied hard. I learned hard. I challenged myself. I listened to other guys. I took a lesson or two here or there to get better because I didn't want to stop evolving as a skier. I didn't want to just be a bunny hill skier. I wanted to to evolve beyond that. And and I want to encourage you and admonish you to not let let your faith be stuck on the bunny hill of Christianity. Growing in your faith is effort-based. Nothing disappoints me or any of the leaders of the church when someone comes to me and says, you know, Pastor Mike, we got to leave Marian Methodist because we're not getting fed here. And I'm like, babies get fed. Mature people grab a fork and start eating. So I'm saying to all of us, start gnawing on the hard meat that is Christianity, that is the Word of God, and grow. Take responsibility for your growth. I mean, I can lead you certain places. Simon, Kelsey, Vicky, others can lead you certain places. There's opportunities for growth all around you, and I challenge you to get involved in there, and it's on you. It's on you. You can always choose to be a lifelong baby in the faith. You can always just drink the spiritual milk that's handed out here at sermons or some other place, and you will be tossed around. And I tell you this to be true. You will be tossed around by every new ideology that comes down the pipe, whether it's some cultural narrative or some new religious thing. You will be pushed around because you don't have a foundation upon which to stand. Or you can engage in your own faith. And you can reach for the wits and the depths of Christianity and the teachings of the Orthodox Church 
and reach for Christian maturity that will reach you into an embracing eternity with our God who gives everything to us. So, when you come to the communion table and rail today, it's really just that simple meditation that I want to put in front of you. These four questions, and you know, if you have a cell phone, you can go out, go ahead and take a picture of what comes up on the screen next, so you can write them down. But, but this is really for your week. These four questions. Will I live a life worthy of my calling? You know, God's calling me. Am I going to do anything about that? Will I make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit? God wants us to be together with Him forever. Will I make any effort? To make that happen. Will I use the gifts that God has given me? Or am I just going to let them sit in the, the, in the cupboard like wedding plates that were given, but we're waiting for something to come along? And will I grow spiritually? So we'll leave those up there for a minute. Take a shot of that or write them down. But we're going to do communion now.